AFX Media Group. This time through on the Modern Christian Men's Show, John Cooper from Skillet. He is a genuine rock star. I mean, real life rock star, as well as a voice from my past, from my old radio days. And in addition to both of those, he's my son's hero. Well, I mean, if you've got to be second fiddle to somebody, it might as well be somebody cool like John Cooper. Cannot wait for you to get to hear this one. It's a great interview. We talk about his brand new book, as well as being a dad, a husband, a rock star, and how those things combined to make him who he is today. John, you say a lot of things that people in our genre, the Christian industry, if you will, seem to kind of want to back off away from and be afraid to kind of get into some of these mud holes. That's what I love about your podcast, your, your personality in general. Uh, your music is a reflection of that personality. And, and, and going into that, I mean, you're touching stuff that people don't want to touch, but I think that, that by doing that, you, you are bringing the lights and the realities of, of the church, maybe being a little fearful to get into this arena. Hmm. And, and I just want to, I don't have my hat on, but if it would, I take it off to you because I really appreciate you bringing the, bringing this conversation up and not being fearful of it, because I see a lot of fear from a lot of sides. Mm. Well, that's very encouraging. Thank you. You know, I thought I, you're right. And uh, in, in that you're touching on something that's strange, but there is, uh, there, it's uh, Christian music has its own, sort of life to it, Mm -hmm. you know, almost like, uh, you know, like, I I don't want to say it's, it's obviously not a denomination and (laughs) and, and it's not church government or anything like that, but it almost does have its own like vibe and its own rules. And, and I, I, there is a feeling of, if you say X, Y, or Z, you're kind of stepping out of that. You might be making some people mad and is it really worth it? And so for me, uh, I don't really mind making people mad, but I kind of thought, hey, it should be smarter people than me saying this stuff. You know, it should be preachers and people that are smart and intellectual and academia and this, that, and the other. And what I began noticing was that the people that were most bold in the Christian music world about their opinions about culture were really all on the opposite side of what I would believe. You know, they, they, they're tending to be more on the progressive left, really. And, and almost viewing even the, the word of God from more of a liberal standpoint, you know, more of a progressive standpoint. And I, and I started going, well, man, uh, <laughs> uh, it, 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 yeah, I don't know, maybe I need to say something about it. I was kind of leaving it like, hey, I'm a musician. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a theologian. That's not really my place to do that. I'm going to let you know, all the smart people handle this, but then people in my own world, you know, people in my backyard are saying things that I think are not actually helpful to, to the Christian. And, and it's confusing and it's, it's very harmful, I think, to the church. So I just kind of, I had that feeling of like, if I don't say it, then who's going to say it, you know? So maybe I just need to do so. And um, so it's been a an interesting year and uh, I don't mind making people mad if it's, if it's for the gospel. I mean, uh, you know, for something that I think is really important, 
But what I didn't expect was to make friends mad. I, mm-hmm. I, I don't know why I didn't expect that because I'm not, maybe it's because I'm not that smart, but I did not know this was going to be like friends of mine that I love that are going to be offended. And I thought, man, I thought we were on, I just assumed we were on the same page, but it shows you the confusion of the, of the world, the times we're living in Yeah, every, all these things have different definitions and, you know, you could say something and you mean something completely different than the way that I would use that terminology. Right. It's all in flux right now. So we got to be clear about what we're saying. And that's one of the things that I've really gotten from you is that this is, this is your interpretation of the scripture. This is in your interpretation of, of what you see happening around you. And you're just speaking your heart to it. It's not that you're looking to offend people, run people off, you know, have people burn your CDs in the city square or anything like that. I mean, <laughs> you're just, you're just relaying your understanding of the scripture to your situation. And, and I love that because it's transparent. It's not that you're hiding behind, like you said, a denomination or you're hiding behind a doctorate. You're just being real with your impression of the scripture, the gospel, the good news of Jesus and how to apply that to our situation. Cause we live, it's so warped right now. Yeah. It doesn't even make sense. It's very, very confusing. And and I think that every, uh, I would say this, um, a lot of people are just finding new ways to like repackage Mm. old ideas. And, yeah. and so if there are ideas that people are scared of and they go, okay, we're not going to call it that, but we're going to repackage it. And um, for instance, here's, here's a good example of, for people that follow politics. I love politics, but one of the things happening now, obviously we just had the presidential election. And, and when I say this, I'm not actually trying to be I'm not trying to be political. It's a great example. Okay. Right now, what we see is this. A lot of the people on the left uh, were expecting to get more, uh, to win more seats, like in the Senate and things like that. And for anybody that's been following, following politics, you probably saw those things coming out where people on the left are saying it's because you guys used the phrase defund the police. I don't know if you've seen that. Oh yeah. There's, yeah. So some of the the Democrats are mad at other Democrats saying it's the phrase you shouldn't have used it. And so we're seeing that it's the phrase socialism. Mm -hmm. It's the phrase defund the police. So what we're seeing right now is is, uh, on the left, them saying we're not against defunding the police, but people freak out when they hear that terminology. So we got to call it something else. And, and, And what they're not realizing is that Americans actually don't want at large to actually defund the police. So it's not the phrase, it's the idea. So then what they're trying to do is reframe it now. Well, that is happening. Uh, I mean, that's just, that's just, a, that's just anal- uh, analogous to what we're seeing in the church. In the church, what we're seeing are people reframing older liberal ideas of Christianity, and they're going, well, all this means is loving your neighbor. And so everything is under a banner of, well, Christ said to love your neighbor as yourself. And so therefore, you shouldn't uh, defy the government and have a church meeting because of COVID, <laughs> right? You know, and so those are the arguments. So I'm kind of going, man, all I'm talking about is like orthodox biblical theology that for the most part has been agreed upon for mm-hmm. centuries, but a lot of people are finding new ways around it. And it's confusing. Young people, millennials are really, really confused. So I do think that us men who have been in the faith for a while, we have a responsibility to explain to younger people 
what's actually happening in culture. And, and in the end, it's like, Hey brother, you can, you can take it to the Lord and you can take the script, you know, read the scriptures, take it to the Lord and believe what you want to believe. But I, I think it would be beneficial for me to explain to you what people mean when they say X and what the, the uh, traditional interpretation of that scripture means and how that has to do with culture. So I hope that it's helping people. So when you got started back in the day, when was the first record released? Uh, 1996. Okay. 96. So <laughs> I just, I had just gotten to figure out who Jesus was for, I guess the second time then. Mm. And remember seeing it at the local Christian store. And, uh, I, I picked it up one day and I had two CDs in my hand and, and one was a skillet record. Cause I, about 96, 90, late 95, early 96, I found Jesus. And, and the other one was this group called the cry. I don't know if you remember those guys. I remember the cry. Yeah. With I, the K. I, yeah. I bought the cry instead. And, and I was so disappointed when I got to the truck. So I went oh, back gosh. and got the scale record. <laughs> <laughs> no offense to those guys. It just really wasn't what I was expecting. So anyway, I'm, I, you know, that's, that's a long time ago for both of us. Yes. So, it was a long time ago. You know, then I, I, I couldn't ever imagine being a, a dad, a bunch of kids, a stay at home dad, married 20 something plus years. And now talking to men about God's goodness, his kingdom, and our seat at his table. In 96, you dropped your first record. Did you think you would be having a conversation like this ever? <laughs> no. On many levels, no. I never thought Skillet would last this long. I thought oh. there's no way in the world. I just thought it'd be, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what God's going to do with it. Four, five, seven, eight years at the most. Right. Um, and I never thought that it, it would just be possible to make a living doing it. And I kind of thought, you know, at some point God will move me on to maybe church work, you know, like being a youth minister. I love teenagers. I love that age. And, uh, and God will move me on to something and I'll, you know, cut my hair and whatever <laughs> and uh, quit screaming and screaming in a rock band. Um, but one of the other things I never imagined, I, I never imagined because I, honestly didn't know much about church history. I didn't understand much about culture. I loved the Bible. I, I loved God and I loved his word at the time, but I didn't, I didn't really imagine. Um, let me say it like this every day. Now, every day I hear Christian leaders who are much, much more intellectual than I much smarter than me every week. I hear them say things that I never imagined I'd hear a Christian person say, uh, much less a Christian leader. I didn't know that some of these ideas would become so mainstream. And um, that is the biggest thing I, I didn't expect. So part of this journey for me, and honestly, in the last two years, has been overcoming that feeling of, I'm not smart enough to argue with these people. So why would I do that? Leave it to someone else. And it's been, uh, for me, it's been a bit of a, of a journey of going, hey, God, uh, I feel God that, that God is commanding me to speak. And so then it doesn't matter if I'm, quote, smart enough, quote, intellectual enough, quote, this enough, quote, that enough. That's not really how God has, has sovereignly chosen people to do things. We see that all through the Bible. Right. And, you know, you know, just like uh, with, with Moses, right? You know? Moses tells God, I have, I don't speak well. Don't, don't ask me to do that. I don't speak well. I've got a, a speech impediment or whatever, you know, that's not really how God does things. And yeah. so I've just had to go, okay, I'm just going to do my very best. And it's, you know, it's not about trying to win an argument. It's just trying about trying to speak truth. So you're right. 
on many levels, no, I never imagined us having this conversation. <laughs> well, it's crazy too, because, you know, going back into my radio days, uh, comatose when it came out, I mean, it literally changed Christian music probably for forever. Mm. And, uh, at least that's, nice. that's been my opinion from day one. I, I mean, the, the previous album was fantastic, but you did so much more. I, I think it was the orchestration that you guys just put in every, right. everything in there. And it just, people loved it. I still do. Matter of fact, still my favorite skillet record. Yeah. All but right. the, the, the kingdom, the song, this is the kingdom has kind of become a new man and anthem. So I, mm. I take my son's CD every once in a while and enjoy that one. But, Good. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you know, I'm going back and I'm thinking, I remember those days and, what we didn't know then was the platform that God was preparing us for. He didn't know. I didn't know that 15 years down the road, here I am ball headed, a little overweight, sitting, doing podcasting for men. And just like you probably had no idea you would be now singing to your fans, kids. And right. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's crazy. If you think about it, I mean, that's like two generations of influence the platforms God's given you, it, it doesn't take the intellectual, it, you know, what would you be if you were the intellectual, would you have the platform and could you share gospel truths in the fashion you're able to share it? If right. you were tied up in something else, man, I mean, God's plan is so ridiculously huge. Yes, it is. I love, I love that. Cause it, it, it speaks to the majesty of, of God, the sovereignty of God, which is one of my favorite uh, aspects of scripture and understanding that he is, not just knows the future, but he plans the future. He is in control of all of it. And I love that aspect of God. And I, and I love his sense of, I don't know if sense of humor is the right word, but the, the sense of irony that we see yeah. <laughs> about Moses, uh, somebody that doesn't speak well, yet God puts his own words into Moses's mouth. I mean, that's incredible stuff. Right. And um, it, it, I am very humbled. Uh, I'm very humbled that I meet people like yourself who, um, Sometimes it's the kids that discover skillet and then turn their parents on ah. to them. I've met people like that at, at concerts and they're like, it's actually my son that got me into you guys. And <laughs> there's something about skillet's music that, that is a bit of a, uh, it is a bit of a hodgepodge of different uh, eras of music. So in some ways, people that grew up with, um, the, the, the theater of seventies rock, mm -hmm. you know, whether it be queen or, or Fleetwood Mac, you know, those, those kind of great, like Fleetwood Mac is a, of course a band with a lot of great just drama in their music and the dual right. singers, you know, the duets and, and, uh, or meatloaf or whatever. Oh, yeah. A lot of that drama of that era of music is also found in Skillet's music. So Sometimes it's the kids to them. It sounds really modern. And then the parents are like, Oh, I kind of like that. And, and it's created these generations or thankfully we have a bunch of parents who are forcing skillet upon their kids, which I really love. <laughs> so <laughs> that's what they do. If you've been bad, get in your room and listen to skillet. Yeah. Yeah. We bring you around. We went to a Christmas party uh, for the local <laughs> fire department that I, that I help with. I'm, I'm not a fireman anymore, but I I'm there as a, like an overseer, I guess you will. Uh. And we went to the Christmas party. My kids had never gone. I took them this year. We all went piled into the station and, um, they, they do a video montage of the different calls and fires they've had this year. And it starts off and my son, just Eli turns around, just smiling as big as he can smile. Cause it's a skillet song. I'm like, wow, that's really cool. So that song, <laughs> and, and of course I knew who it was. Cause I reckon the next song, it was like, they were playing the album three songs in and my kids were just singing along. It was fantastic. Mm. And, and nobody else recognized it necessarily, but 
Right. It was, it was cool. <laughs> Me and the kids thought it was great. You know, it so. is great. Good. <laughs> yeah. So you're, you're out influencing younger people. Uh, now you've been off the road, what, almost a year now because of COVID probably since March. Okay. All right. Yeah. So how has that as an artist who lives on the road besides getting, you know, and you, you tour with your family, which is mm-hmm. really different than most people get to do. <clears throat> um, guys, if you don't know, John's wife, Corey has been in the band for how long? Yep. Since the second record. Okay. So 98. So you guys have been working together since 98. Yeah. Wow. And he still has dark head full of hair. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yes, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It so, got darker somehow. Yeah. It's amazing. So you guys tour and travel all over the place and you're living this, this rock and roll lifestyle. Now you're home since March. How yeah. has that really affected? Let, let's get away from the industry. How's that affected the house life because you're not in the, you're not in the bus, you're not on the road, you, yeah. your kids, you, y'all were just packed in the house all the time. Well, yeah, that's right. I mean, and, and maybe I'll take this opportunity to encourage, you know, pe- men watching the podcast and well, maybe men and husbands, fathers, you know, I'm assuming we, we have some, a lot of fathers watching probably, um, you know, th- there is the aspect of it that obviously is, is uh, strange because it's so different. This is the most that we've ever been at home consistently in 23 years of marriage. Wow. <laughs> so, you know, I've never slept in my bed this often. It's very, very unusual. Then there's the aspect of it that's a hardship, much like it is for, I'm, I'm assuming, tons of people watching, which is a hardship on your job. You know, you have to recreate uh, how you make a living. And um, for, for me, I haven't recreated how I've made a living. I've just been been trying to figure out what this is going to mean for the future. Right. But there is that hardship. I have 15 employees. So it, there's a little bit of that. What can we do to l- earn a little bit of income? What can we change to pay the bills? There's that aspect of manhood, mm-hmm. which um, is not just for me and for my business, but obviously as uh, the, the man of the family, there's that aspect of, all right, Lord, I need you to lead me and trust in trusting God that it's, right. I hope this is an encouragement to, to fathers and husbands that I always tell my kids, it's my job as your dad to provide for you, but it's not really me who provides. It's the Lord that provides everything. And we have to, we have to keep that humility that Christ is at the center of everything. And he's going to make sure you're fed because he is the center of it all, right? We join together with the work of God and 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 stewardship, which is a really amazing mystery to me, but we still know that that God is the one. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes from the Father of lights. The Bible says. So those are great lessons f- for my kids, to be honest. And I and I and I kept telling the beginning of COVID, you know, March fifteen, we got home from the road, and you know, I said, hey, kids, this is a great time for you to watch your dad say, I don't know how this is going to work with my employees, but we're going to trust God to do it. This is a great life example. Right. It'll last for two months. <laughs> <laughs> two more weeks, just two more uh, weeks. Uh, maybe two more. Yeah. Two more weeks, By four Easter. more weeks, two more months, uh, eight months, you know, but it really is great. And so that is how we've adjusted. I've enjoyed that aspect of 
training, training my kids. This is a great example to see, to see what that is. And, and I've been able to um, be involved in my church a bit more because I'm home. It's the most yeah. I've ever been home. So I've enjoyed that aspect of it. And, right. uh, and I always want to make sure I encourage parents. This is, if you're home, it's a great time for you to say, what can I do to train my kids in discipleship? Cause you're going to be home a little bit more. Yeah. And that's, that's so crazy because when it's not crazy, it makes plenty of sense. But when people think John Cooper skillet, you know, they think this, this, uh, loud rocker tats on his arms, you know, and, and he's right. just traveling the world and, and, and here he is telling guys, take, take time with your kids. And man, we just lose that. I think sometimes because whether we're stuck at home due to a pandemic or uh, maybe a job loss or whatever, uh, we, we lose sight of that because we, we get in this worry mode. We get in this, how are we going to make the bills? How are we going to keep the employees? How are they going to stay fed? How do we stay fed? Uh, th- this is like you're saying, this is giving you all sorts of things to, to lean on God about, which is amazing. And at the same time, allow them to see his sovereign hand move and work in your life. And it's, it's just entirely mm. not what any of us wanted to do, but here we are still in the midst of it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I don't, I don't think we're planning on going backwards. I mean, aren't we still going forward in this? Yeah. I mean, no one, no, no one has any idea what's going to happen. I always laugh. I always say literally nothing would surprise me. Like yeah. if in six months we're kind of getting back to normal and yet I, I wouldn't be shocked. And, and if in six months they're saying we need to lock down for another three years, I wouldn't be shocked. Right. Nothing would shock me. It's just such a volatile uh, time. But, yeah. but I do think, you, as you just said, that's a really important thing to mention, which is that, um, you know, another thing that I've been telling my kids, which is that what I do know is that God will use everything unto his glory. And that is great news for us, you know, and I, and I believe that the church will be victorious in through whatever happens and whether who, who knows what's going to happen on, uh, well, this is what I was telling them a few months ago, presidential elections or government, or no one has any idea, but what we know is that God is going to use it for his glory and the church will be victorious in it because the word says that the gates of hell will not prevail, right? We know that. So that's really good news. And it, it reminds us of, as you said, of God's, uh, uh, just the fact that he is in control of these things, but we do have to walk through it and it's a real battle. So um, yeah, you know, good so did, so did you, did you have your book ready to write as you came into this pandemic or was this something that you'd been stewing on for a while? Was it just, it just kind of timed out this way or, right. or give us some history. Cause you tell us about your book. Cause we, I, I can't wait to read it. And I know a lot of guys who are big fans want to read it as well. Well, thank you. I mean, here's the funny thing. Um, I had the book, let's see, I had it mostly written at the end of last year. I was originally hoping it could come out last year, like a year ago. <laughs> And um, the book is called Awake and Alive to Truth. Maybe if I was going to say why I wrote this book, I would need to rewind a little bit, probably right. to, to 2012. 2012 is when I had that feeling that a lot of people get in their lives, which is that I do not understand the world around me. It just feel like everything's changing. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I just thought, okay, I'm getting older. Um I'm getting, you know, out of touch. <laughs> I'm not as cool as I used to be. I don't understand the language young people are using. Everything is different. Everything has changed. But you know what? what's funny when I look back on it is it wasn't just that. It was actually 
a, a, a shift of philosophy that was actually changing, not just in America, but all, all around the world. Mm -hmm. And so I really set out to say, okay, what is happening in the world? And I began reading a lot. Uh, I mean, I was just consuming books, not just Christian theology, which I had already read because I love Christian, I love the Bible, but I was reading Christian theology. I was reading about political philosophy. Um, I studied political science in college a bit. So I already liked that, those subjects, but I began digging in. Um, economics, Darwin's evolution, uh, atheist philosophers, uh, trying to understand the what is going on. And after about three years, it was 2015. I, I, mean, I bet I'd read over 100 books easy, all right? And I looked at my wife and I'd finished a book. And I said, I just discovered what is happening in society. And I feel dumb that it took me three years to realize <laughs> this, but we live in a time of, of relativism. It's a right. time that truth, there is no such thing as absolute truth anymore. And it's the reason that we have, uh, we are so invested in identity politics and critical race theory and uh, any various political thing that you can find. Right. It's all to do with the fact of, of relative truth and, and perceived reality. And so then I began to say, that is why the church is changing so much. I mean, I was hearing Christian pastors say the weirdest stuff. And I'm like, this is why it's all to do with relativism. And I believe it's the reason our young people are inside the church and outside the church. They're so confused. They're kill they're literally killing themselves at unprecedented rates. Um, uh, they are literally more anxious on more medication for anxiety than any other time in history. And we're, we've, we've now changed not just religious dogma. We've changed gender ideology. We've changed sexual ideology. Everything has changed right. because there's no truth. And so I wanted to write a book on how we can find truth. And there's only one thing that never, ever changes, and that is the word of God, right? right. The, you know, the earth will pass away, and, and right now I'm getting the scripture, but the word of God stands forever. Yeah. And that is great news to the Christian. Now, is this, I wrote it. Is, is this a book that's, uh, that's written to, to men? Or, or, or let, me, let me say it this way. Is this a book written for adults, or is this a preteen book, or is this, uh, if you right. can read at an eighth grade level and up kind of a thing? eighth grade level and up. I call it theology for dummies. All right. But it's, it's for people like me that go, uh, what, what Greek word, right. uh, it's for people like me that, that love the Bible, love theology, but I had a very difficult time reading as a young person and had a very difficult time paying attention. ADD couldn't pay attention more than eight or nine minutes to, to, a, to a sermon or a, a school teaching or anything sitting with a big John Calvin Institute's theology book is not something I could handle back right. then. And this is a, this is it's basic theology, but it, it takes you on this. Well, how can I find truth? Can I find it? Maybe I can find it myself because I'm, I'm a good person. I'm a nice person. And this takes you through the theology of no, there are no good people. Right. We are all born into sin. And so therefore we have a bet towards wickedness. So it explains original sin, why you can't trust your feelings, but it also explains some of the philosophies of the day uh, of postmodernism, relativism, and why people have, why we are in such a PC culture mm -hmm. where you're not allowed to say certain things 
that is also really to do with, with relativism. Well, how can you tell somebody what's, what's true? It's all to do with that. Right. And I, I, I think that um, it's very evangelistic. I think it's a great book for people that, that have friends that don't want to come to church. You know, they're like, I don't really, I'm not into the Jesus stuff, but if they have questions, this is a good book for the, for those people. So it's kind of like the gospel according to John. Cooper. Well, well, no. <laughs> man, I, I don't know about that, but <laughs> yes. no, but you, you, you've, you've done a lot of the hard work, the heavy lifting for someone who may, yes. maybe a new Christian or may be coming Definitely. back to the faith and not really, I mean, you turn the television on, it depends on which channel at what time on Sunday, what kind of message you're going to hear. And we don't mm-hmm. like going down that road, but I mean, you know, it's all over the place. That's exactly and, right. It's so confusing. So yes, this is very much like, Hey, let's cut through the nonsense. Uh, as you said, before this podcast started, like <laughs> no nonsense. Can we have some straight talk, please? Yeah. This is what the Bible says. And this is generally what has been agreed upon since the reformation. All yeah. right. And, and the, er, and the early church, we got off track, a uh, track for a few years there, a few hundred years there, but mm-hmm. what the early church believed, what the, the reformers believed, what we've generally believe, generally believed for several hundred years, it's just gotten really diluted and confusing. So yeah. definitely there will be people who are in the faith, who are truly born again, who want to live for Jesus that don't necessarily know what the Bible says. And mm-hmm. I think this could be a real, I hope, a good reference for people like that. Speaking of flipping the channels, I was flipping the channels. I very rarely ever watch television, but uh, I was on Roku and one of the the apps came up. I think it might've been Pluto and I was just scrolling. I couldn't find anything to watch and it went by Newsmax or something. And then all of a sudden it, it I had slowed down and it was given descriptions and it said, John Cooper. And I'm like, wait a minute, what? And and you were on with, um, Mike, oh, Huckabee. Mike Huckabee. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. was like, oh my gosh, you talk about two <laughs> legends. Yeah, that was that was pretty. <laughs> well, that's kind. He definitely yeah. is for sure. How, how did that work out? I, you know, I've never been on television. I have a face made for radio, as you can see. But tell me, how how was it, man? I mean, because you could tell you were you were just doing the the interview was great, and but at the same time, um, I mean, that's a whole nother audience right there, right? So I mean, you got an age yes. different age group there, and they're looking at this guy like, oh man, who was this pirate? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it was a really wonderful time. I got to meet my Mike Huckabee, you know, backstage, if you want to call it that, right. for about five minutes. And he was he's a, is exactly like he is on TV. He's nice. nice he's humble. He's extremely uh, funny, very quick, really? very funny and quick and honestly, just a cool guy. Um, very humble. And I, I love humble people. And it seems... Look, I met him for five minutes, but yeah. seems to be very genuine about his faith in Christ. Nice. And um, I mean, he certainly has proven that over the last several decades. Mm-hmm. But it's always nice to meet somebody and and have that have him smell smell right. You know, yeah. yeah. the smell That's test. The smell test. Yeah. Uh, and so that was very cool. And and I think that getting to talk about truth, you know, getting to talk about, hey, we've lost a lot of things. Mm-hmm. That that we, we that in in America, I, I tell people this. Look, in America, thirty years ago, let's just say thirty years ago, twenty years ago, even honestly, this is going to be profound, but I believe it's true. The atheist thirty years ago in America had more of a Christian worldview 
than the Christian of 2020. And that is a real scary statement. I'm obviously not saying that the atheist was saved. I'm just talking about the way they perceive the world was built upon a Christian worldview because America was so influenced by Judeo-Christian ethics, mm -hmm. Judaic law, and the Protestant revolution, right? Um, so Protestantism is very much really a backbone of Americanism. So we've had the benefit of being raised in that society, and this is what manhood means, you know, this is what a man does. Mm -hmm. he, he's a protector. He's a provider um, and yada, yada, yada. All of the things that, that we are losing now, we are losing because we're going further away, not just from Americanism, because I, I'm not like, you know, America is not the kingdom of God. Right. But there was a recognition of Americanism that it was built on a Christian worldview. And so people like Mike Huckabee um, very much have that belief not that America is the kingdom of God, mm -hmm. but that it was built upon principles that are actually just good for society. So 30 years ago, the atheist who built his life upon a worldview that was Christian will actually live a more blessed life because you're, you're in line with the design of God that God says, if you fit into this design, you're going to be blessed, right. you know? And, and, and so he, he kind of is very strong on those things. And I, I am quite, passionate about those things as well. So we had a really good time. God's really opened up cool opportunities. That's awesome. And, you know, going back to those Judeo-Christian values, it really goes back to Genesis. I mean, it really goes back to that being that men were created as the, the shepherd, the priest, the king of the household, the wives were the, the woman, you know, the helpers, not yep. that they're subservient to us, but because I worked for, I've worked for my wife since 2001. So I mean, right. we, <laughs> I wear lots of different pants. I don't wear skirts, but, uh, right. you know, <laughs> a lot of different hats, a lot of different pants, but it, it's, it's true. When you look at where we've gotten to as a people in this nation, gotten so far away from God as the, the preeminent head of, of where we're going, it's just a reflection of our households because we've gotten away from our fathers being the preeminent head, the leaders of, of who we were called to lead. Yeah. And, you know, I, I mean, how in the world do we recover? I mean, surely <laughs> we can take things like your new book, being alive to truth. I mean, we have to know the truth. The truth will set us free. Mm. And can we, can we find some encouragement there in your book about the, the, the place of the family and, and how we as men can walk that out? Right. Well, you know, that's not really what I was saying necessarily, uh, certainly not primarily what the book is about, but yeah. there is, as you said that, there is a story in the book that I talk about, uh, like disciplining my, my kids when they were young. Um, and But the, the point of it was saying that when we obey the scriptures, even mm -hmm. when you don't feel like it, even when you don't want to, even with your life, even if you're like, I'm not really sure that really matters. You know, like those kind of <laughs> things. Like, I don't know. You will actually be blessed. And I was, I was, did share a story about those times, you know, when you're a parent and you're busy and you're exhausted and, you know, you come home from work or whatever your situation is and you're like, all right, my, um, my kid disobeyed. And, but sometimes you just want to let it go because it, it's a hassle, isn't it? Right. You're like, you know what? Yeah. I'll just let this one go because I'm just exhausted. And I was just saying in that situation, 
you have to know that the word of God is, is true and the word of God is right. And God knows best. Mm -hmm. And if you do the hard work of obeying the word of God, and in this instance, it means disciplining my kids, even if I'm just not in the mood to do so, even if it's just easier to let it go in the moment, you will pay for that in the future. But if you do the hard work and, and do what the Bible says, then you'll be rewarded with dividends in the future. And right. I talk about that and you're right. And there is an answer out of this. I mean, there is a, a way forward in this. I keep encouraging people dig down into the word of God. And the more you do that, it, I find the design of God to be so beautiful and so wonderful. As you said, that he, the way that he created men and women to be different is a wonderful thing. You know, the language of the Bible says that Eve was created with the right fittedness for a man. It's that's so wonderful. She was not, wasn't just, she was fit. She had a fittedness that would come, that would complement who God created men to be. And God shows his character through attributes that we normally think are, are, are masculine attributes. And then God shows parts of his character that we associate normally with feminine attributes. They are both qualities of God's character, but they are fitted together unto God's glory. And that is a, a beautiful thing. Yeah. So I always find that the more I dig into the scriptures and Genesis is such a rich book, such yeah. a rich book, the more that I value God, because I, I get to understand him more and I see his purposes clearer. And I go, oh my gosh, everything that God makes, the way he does it is righteous, the way he creates. And what he says is good is good because he says it is so, it is fitted together. So I do think that there's a way out of it. And honestly, the best way is just loving the scriptures and obeying the scriptures and we will be blessed. I just think that's an amazing thing. Yeah. Yeah. So when, when you sit down with a family in the evening or in the morning, uh, what, what are some tips? Cause you know, a lot of guys, man, are like, my kids won't sit still for Bible study. They don't want to do devotions. Yeah. <laughs> my, my brother and I were those kids back in the day. And, and so, you know, do you now having been at home, how's, how does that look different from it sure. did on the road? Cause I mean, you guys tour with your kids almost all the time, right? Now that they're a little yeah. older. That's right. Well, we did our whole, our whole lives since they were babies and we did have to do that on the road, you know? And I think the first place that I would encourage parents is I would just encourage them with the same thing that, that my pastor just, I mean, uh, he just, I don't want to say beat it over my head, <laughs> but, uh, he really, oh, let's see, strongly encouraged Courage, me. Yeah. <laughs> Strong encouragement, which is, honestly, I, I always want to tell as many parents as I can, because it's changed my life mm -hmm. that raising godly kids is not the job of the church. And it is not the job of Sunday school teachers. It's not the job of, uh, you know, Christian musicians or pastors online or podcasters mm -hmm. raising godly men and women is the job of the parents. And, and I always like to tell men, I believe it's the job of me and my wife together but it falls on me. I, yeah. I'm, I'm the head of this, of this thing. And so it is our job to do it. And I believe if we ask God for wisdom and how to do that, I think God's eager to give us that wisdom. Yeah. So the things that I learned from my pastor was to read bits of scripture. You know, we don't sit down for 30 minutes and, <laughs> and go, but we read a bit of scripture. And then I explain what that means in terms my kids can understand. And I right. remember with my daughter, 
I remember when she was young and I was reading scriptures about, uh, about what it means to value God supremely. Cause that's all that worship is right. Mm -hmm. Worship that you, you worship the things you value supremely. And I remember saying, it's like the way that you love your care bears. She had these, this little care bears, man. <laughs> and she could not go anywhere without that care bear. And I remember one time she lost oh, no. one of them and it was like the entire earth stopped spinning. <laughs> you know, it was like, it was so devastating to her that she lost this care bear. And I had a chance to say, this is what it's like when you value something supremely. You cannot live without it. You adore that care bear. And that is what it means when we worship God. That is how we're supposed to. And if you don't value God in that way, um, that's okay. But you begin to speak that you do. And we right. pray and we ask God that we could. And then we would sing songs together. And so my kids got to watch. They got to watch. um they had to learn how to worship God by watching their dad worship God. And that is a powerful thing. Your kids are going to, to do. I'm teaching my son how to, how to do carpentry. Mm. This is how you build a table. And my son learns how to build a table by watching his dad build a table. Right. And he, he watches. This is how you sand it. This is how you make it smooth. This is how you measure it right. Because if you don't measure it right, it's, it's somebody's going to come in and say, oh, it looks like it's leaning over to one side. <laughs> so my son gets to watch it doing by watching his father doing. If you want to have praying God loving children, they need to see their father sing to God and not be embarrassed. Yeah. Woo, hallelujah. We'll start preaching up on this podcast. <laughs> They're like, wait a minute, this is a rock singer. What? Come on, Who's baby. This guy? <laughs> but it's the truth, you know, going way back, I'm 46, I'm almost 47. So back in the day, <clears throat> when I lived at my folks house and had my little bedroom as a little boy, there was a thing that hung on the bedroom wall and it said, children live what they learn. Ooh, that's, that's exactly good. what you said. I mean, that's yes. it. You know, we get, we get out of, somebody asked me the other day, how, how do your kids behave so well? Or why do your children act this way? And I'm like, you know what they, you get out of them, what you put in and what you require. Mm. Mm, you know, yeah, so know, by watch, him true. watching you build the table, by him watching you, you know, run the jigsaw or, or the skills or whatever. I mean, he knows, oh, don't put your finger there because yes. dad holds it back over here. And I mean, it's, it's those simple things. I think we get so overwhelmed with trying to provide for our families and, <clears throat> and trying to be this, you know, big Superman guy that the church can depend on. And the family's like, hey, man, please come over here and just just be our dad. Yes. And it, it seems like we can perform so much easier for these other venues and other needs. And I believe it's because, because we are so aware that our family is so intimately familiar with us that they'll see through the fake, but it doesn't have mm. to be fake. It can be genuine. It can be embarrassing and it can be exactly what they need at that moment. If you'll just be their dad. Right. I, that is a powerful lesson you just said. Um, maybe I'll share <clears throat> two quick stories sure. that I don't know if I've ever shared on a podcast before or an uh -oh. interview. They're going to be good, baby. This is breaking news. Breaking right here because, you know, I think that's powerful what you just said. Um, you know that I'm sure people listening will know this. You know that feeling, guys, when you want to get in shape, right? You're like, I get in shape. But that feeling of, I don't know where to start. It sometimes it's that feeling of, well, if I don't work out three hours a day, then I may as well not even start. I, I know I've had that feeling before. Mm -hmm. Well, what do I do? Do I, I, I need to work out DVD or I won't know how to do it. Well, 
everybody kind of knows where to start. You stop eating donuts and you go for a walk or a jog, right? You know, right. you don't have to be King Kong here. <laughs> and everybody that has has done so knows that a little bit will actually go a long way. And I think I'll just want to encourage guys in a story that, again, I don't think I've ever shared, but I will be honest enough to say that I, just like everybody else, have had marriage problems. Marriage is hard, hard mm -hmm. work. It is really hard to love somebody. Yeah, It's hard for somebody to love me. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> so, you know, we had that time that was really difficult. And I remember I went to a marriage seminar with my wife and, and we had like breakout sessions. And one of the pastors was speaking for an hour. And I remember thinking it was, it was good. It, it wasn't life-changing. It was good. And not because he didn't do a good job, but it was fine. I kind of already knew it. And then this other guy who was an elder at my church that was not, a, he's not a speaker. He just got up and, and he, he literally shared for 90 seconds. And this is what he said. It's some of the best wisdom I have ever been given. He said, you know what? I would like to sum up what Pastor John just said. He said, I'll tell you how, this is how I'll sum up. He said, my wife came to me and she said, you know what? I want to thank you. And, and I said, why? And she, and she said, I want to thank you because for 30 years, I have, I have never had to worry about anything in our lives because I knew that you were taking our problems to the Lord in prayer. Wow. And I, I was listening all of a sudden, God just, he wrecked me, right? I had an hour of preaching and, th and this guy, this guy said, that's all I had to do is that she knew that I was praying to the Lord. So she didn't have to worry about the kids. She didn't have to worry about finances. She didn't have to do this because I was praying. Right. And it affected me in a deep way. And so I just began this one thing. I didn't know how to, I mean, I don't want to say I had to fix my marriage. Our marriage was good, but we had problems like everybody else. And I didn't know where to start. So I just said, you know what? I'm just going to tell my wife every other day, the things that I'm praying for. Instead of me constantly stressing out, freaking out about my job, freaking out about the bills, I don't know. We're gonna, instead of doing that, I'm going to shut up and stop telling my wife all the stuff I'm worried about. And every day or so, I'll just say, hey, I was praying for um, our son last night. You know how he sometimes he doesn't do what he's supposed to when we ask him to clean. I've been praying about that, and I'm going to share a scripture with him on, and, and on why he needs to obey his parents. And and I'm telling you, in four days, my marriage went from being, you know, pretty good mm. to amazing. I'm wow. telling you, four days. It was like the guy that just stopped eating donuts and went for a jog every now and again. He's like, I lost 10 pounds. I wasn't even trying that hard. It was amazing, you guys. So I, I just wanted to share that because the truth is, is you don't have to be a Bible scholar. Honestly, you you have a meal and after after dinner, you read a psalm, it takes three minutes, and you just say something that you, about that psalm. You pray with your kids. I believe that you'll notice a change. At, within a week, you'll be like, wow, this has literally changed the atmosphere of the family. It's kind of like when you know your dad cares. I had great parents. Yeah. But it's when you really know your dad comes into your bedroom, sits on the side of your bed, and is like, what's up? What's bothering you? Like yes. when you get that genuine thing and it's so hard, I think sometimes with us and God, because he, he doesn't necessarily come and sit on the edge of our bed, but right. he's in this, he's, his word is alive and speaks to us. If we'll just take the time to read it. Right. 
Yeah. And it's like you're saying, I mean, you're, you're seeing this, this metamorphosis inside your own family with your wife. And, and that's what we all desire. And it, it didn't, it didn't take, uh, going on a trip to the Bahamas and spending a special weekend. It was just, just being transparent, real and, and trying. Yes. I think that's a great way to say it. It's like, you don't have to be, <laughs> you know, the second story, just to kind of say it, right on the back of what you just said, which yeah. is powerful. <laughs> Never shared this before. <laughs> I mean, we're all guys. So let's yeah, just say yeah. something that's real, man. We wear, we wear cellophane pants. I think I might've said that before around here. So you're good, bro. <laughs> yeah, man. We went, <laughs> I've, you know, I've been worshiping with my kids since they were smart. My kids think of me as a guy that loves God and I'm serious about living a, trying to live a holy life. Mm -hmm. We all make mistakes, but you, you, you keep, you have, you're accountable and, and, and I don't make excuses for sin. I went to, I took my kids to a Brewers baseball game. I'm laughing already. And I was literally, we were walking into the, to, to the park. And I was sharing with my kids. I was like, hey, kids, we got to, uh, somebody had given us a, a tour of this amazing art museum. And I said, hey, kids, in my mind, it was like teaching moment. Mm-hmm. I said, kids, I just want to say this, that I want to remind you that we had this amazing day and we got these backstage passes to this art museum thing. And I just want you to know, not everybody gets this. And I want you to know that that didn't come because your parents are rock stars. That came because God has given us good gifts. And we cannot go a day without thanking him for amazing gifts like this. So I'm having this teaching moment. Right. And then we're, then we're walking through the gate. Long story short, it was one of these like free t-shirt days at the baseball game. And I was, they were pushing us through and my kids didn't get t-shirts. And so a long story short, I was trying to get this woman to give my kids her t-shirts. And the woman starts accusing my wife of trying to steal a t-shirt. And I was like, what? And it made me so mad <laughs> that she had already given me one t-shirt, but not the ones for my one for my wife. And I'm just going to tell you here because we're a bunch of guys. I got so mad. I threw it at her and I said, <laughs> then just take your, sh-. and I said the S word, right, right? Just take your S and I'm not one to cuss. And I'm not one to yell and I'm not one to get, there was a man behind her and I was ready to fist fight this guy. <laughs> I'm not one to fight. I do not know what got into me, brother. You're human. And what's that? You're human. I'm human, but that is not something that I, that is not like my go-to. Okay. Right, right. And I, felt this immense amount of shame. My kids look shocked. My kids look like my dad's about to fight a guy and he's cussing at somebody after I just gave them the life lesson, how God blesses us. But you know, what was awesome as I got to just be humble in front of my kids. And I said, guys, this is not how a Christian man is supposed to act, but this is what happens when you don't walk in the spirit, this walking in the flesh. Right. And then it turns into a lesson of all you do is repent and you, you, we are in right standing with Christ. It doesn't yeah. mean you're back down the ladder and now you're a bad person. No, you are redeemed in Christ. And it was a great life lesson. So those being real moments with your kids are so important. And when you screw up, when you totally miss it, all you got to do is tell your kids, you know what? I am just as much of a sinner as you are. I screw it up all the time. And it's repentance. It's beautiful. Yeah. And we'll laugh about this in 25 years at Christmas. 
Uh, actually, we laughed about it about uh, three months later. They made fun of me in front of all of my extended family. So that's not a story that just they know anymore. Now it's out on the podcast. Everybody the knows. World. There it is. I, I was about to fist fight somebody and cussed at them, threw a shirt back at a woman. What's wrong well, that's what people would expect. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> we knew it. We saw you and we, we knew, knew it. it. We saw him from afar. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. John, tell us, uh, I, I know that people that are familiar with you, they know where to find you, but maybe somebody stumbled into the show. They've never oh, heard sure. of John Cooper. They've never heard of skillet. Well, first they don't know what they're missing. Some of the absolute best rock and roll. <laughs> I'm not, I'm, I'm putting that. That's not just in the Christian. We've already talked about the music industry. That's not in that bubble. That's the real world bubble. This is stuff. I find myself all the time humming comatose and, and, uh, uh, I just songs that come up all the time in my, my spirit. And I don't know. I mean, my kids are listening to them, but they're in the headphones. I don't know why you're skillet in my head all the time, but, uh, <laughs> I mean, your music literally changed the way I viewed Christian rock and roll, even mm. from a radio guy's perspective. Wow. Um, so awesome. I, I, I love it. And it's just, like you said, you just got the taste of the meatloaf in there, right? <laughs> the, the vegan meatloaf. And you know, it, it's what, it's just, it's just a part of, of my family. And I hope guys who are listening will go and investigate that never heard, but if, if they have it, how can they find you? What can, where can we learn more about your new book to get that in our hands? Sure. Cause we do need more truth. Well, that's very, very nice. Thank you so much. Very kind. All right. So the book is called awaken alive to truth. You can only get it on my website. It's not on Amazon or anything yet. And, um, and I self-published it, um, mainly because I, I couldn't find anybody to publish my book. That people are like, we really want to make a book with you, John, not this book. And <laughs> I, I, I took that as a sign from the Lord that, okay, you know what? This is, it says it like it is. So mm -hmm. go to my website, johnlcooper.com, johnlcooper.com slash awake. That'll take you directly to the book, or you okay. can just go to the website. And if people want to um, listen to my podcast, it's called Cooper Stuff. Cooper Stuff Podcast. You can get that on YouTube, Apple um, Podcasts, whatever. Um, and uh, those are the best ways, you know, if people want to know. Again, the book is evangelistic. If you got kids, I think it's a great – my teenagers understand it. Um, and I think it's a great resource for young people, college students, new believers. Or if you just want to be encouraged in your faith and understanding the philosophies of the day. If the philosophies of the day are kind of – confusing you like they did me in 2012. And this could be a good resource for that. My podcast Cooper stuff is more to do with culture. It's a little bit political, but I, I don't intend it to be political. I mainly intend it to be, this is the, this is the culture of the day. This is what happened this week. And this is how I, I think that we can view it through a biblical lens of traditional Orthodox, you know, Bible theology. And I hope strengthening and encouraging Christians to be bold for their faith. That's one of the things I'm most passionate about. Be bold for Christ. Do not back down to the world. So my favorite song with the latest record is this is the kingdom real quick. Cause I got to let you go, but give me the story behind that one, because just being the radio guy wanting to have the, the radio interview. I love the song. It's, it's like exactly how I feel in my guts. Right. So right. how, how, and where did this thing come from? You know, uh, the, the gospel of the kingdom, if you will, it, it was such a transforming thing in my life. I got saved when I was a kid. 
and I was raised in church. But when I got into college is when I kind of just discovered so much deep theology about the kingdom of God. We are a part of a kingdom that cannot be shaken, the Bible says, right? It's so wonderful. And I think that this is... I think this is great for the politics of our time. Mm-hmm. And I know it's ironic from somebody like me who I do talk about politics. Uh, and some people would say, wow, John's just a really right wing political guy. I don't consider myself to be that. I consider myself to be biblically orthodox and I am conservative because of, of some things on there. But I also try to be, Lord willing, very clear that we are not. Uh, we are not, America is not the kingdom of God. Right. And we are not a part of, of, of America. We're a part of the kingdom of God. And that is so much bigger than a, a president or if, whatever it may be. It doesn't matter. We're a part of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And that is a political movement, but it yeah. is not a natural political movement. It's the politics of the kingdom. And we have one ruler, King Jesus. And that's wonderful. So the, in uh, the song, um, this is the kingdom is talking about that very thing. And it's talking about the fact that the politics of the kingdom don't make natural sense, right? You know, blessed are the poor in spirit, you know, they will be rewarded. It is the poor in spirit who is rewarded in the kingdom of God. And the first will be last. The last will be first. I mean, mm-hmm. these are amazing things that Jesus said that were so countercultural right. and countercultural, they are so against human nature. You know, human nature, I, I want what's best for me. Right. I'm looking out for myself. I don't care how it hurts you. As long as I get my stuff, I don't need to worry about you. But but Jesus says, no, 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 no. That's not, that is not how politics work in the kingdom. And that is not how the culture of the kingdom work. So this is the kingdom is reminding us that we do have that one king. And no matter what happens in America, if if America totally changes into a communist nation, uh, you know, which I'm not saying I think would happen, but if it did, we have hope in Christ. Our hope is not in America. Right. And, um, and I'm saying that over and over because I am conservative. Everybody pretty much knows that by now. And, and I, and I love politics and things like that, but my hope is not in America. My hope is not in any president, whoever that may be. It's the kingdom of God that is unshakable. And that that's an encouragement to me. I love that part in the bridge of the psalm that says, um, forever, forever, everything else is going to fade away. Everything else is going to, to break. Everything else is going to fall away except the word of the Lord. Right. And those who build their lives upon the foundation of Christ, the cornerstone, and the scriptures. So that's an encouragement to, to, to people as we leave. Build yeah. your life upon the rock. Absolutely. JohnLCooper.com. Woo. That's it, man. Dude, thank you so much. Merry Christmas to your family. And y'all keep doing what you're doing, dude. You're doing a fantastic job. Who would have known? We'd, ne- no, we'd have never guessed we'd be here. But thank <laughs> you for being the voice. Thank you for oh, connecting with our fantastic. youth, man. Thank you for encouraging my children personally. They, they send their best. And... You know, it's, I know a lot of guys and gals out there are, they feel better knowing that their kids are listening to Skillet's music versus Band mm. X. And if there's a Band X, mm. I didn't mean to offend you. But uh, th- <laughs> thank you guys. Thank you guys for keeping it real. Do what you do. Very kind. Well, it's been a lot of fun uh, yeah, doing this. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. I hope people are encouraged. I think it's great to have a, a podcast for men like this. It's very needed. 
Well, thanks, bro. We'll catch up with you hopefully again soon, and and maybe we'll get you on the road again and uh, catch up with you oh, at Pine so. State. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. So. We'll look forward to it. Those were the days, and we'll hope to uh, hope to relive them again. John Cooper, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, brother. All right, man. Take it easy. All right. Bye. Talk soon. I hope later. Hey, man.